this, 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 this show is brought to you by Safety FM. The views and opinions expressed on this podcast are those of the host and its guest and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of the company. Examples of analysis discussed within this podcast are only examples. They should not be utilized in the real world as the only solution available as they are based only on very limited and dated open source information. Assumptions made within this analysis are not reflective of the position of the company. No part of this podcast may be reproduced, stored in a retrieval system, or transmitted in any form or by any means, mechanical, electronic, recording, or otherwise, without prior written permission of the creator of the podcast, Jay Allen. Thanks for joining us today for Ted Speaks with your host, Ted Carew, the Positive Safety Coach. As co-host and Ted's wife, I have the added task of keeping Ted in line and laughing at his jokes, which isn't always easy. My name is Barb Carew. We are coming to you from Milwaukee, Wisconsin, home of the Brewers, Miller Beer, and the Fonz. How could it get any better than that? Our podcast focuses on sharing ideas with business owners and safety professionals to keep employees safe and families together. Our passion for keeping people safe is the reason Total Health and Safety Solutions was created. This is how Ted is able to share his 25 years of safety experience by supporting companies around the globe in their efforts to strengthen their health and safety process. Please join us in welcoming Patrick Venable. Pat opened his first business, Badger State Mini Golf, now called Badger Sports Park, in 1993. It will be 30 years next July. He has opened family entertainment-based businesses in Bogey's Family Fun Park in Middleton in 1999, Green Bay Escape and Axe in 2016, Appleton Axe in 2020, uh, Menominee Falls in 2017, and most recently West Bend Axe in 2022. Pat currently spends most of his time in his business consulting and training company called Servant Cultures. He has worked with over 100 companies throughout the Midwest. They offer executive training, workshops, and one-on-one confidence coaching. Pat is one lucky son of a gun. He was raised by humble and committed parents that taught him about the value of a buck and the importance of taking pride in your work and humility in relationships. He has been happily married for 21 years and is blessed with four wonderful children. Hey, Patrick, how are you doing today? Good, good. Thanks, Ted. Hey, I'm very excited to have you on the show. Talk about something that, that I'm really uh, quite passionate about, and, and both Barbara and I are about leadership, but really about the servant leadership, and, and you being the expert in that. We're excited to have you on and, and help some of our uh, listeners. Well, I appreciate the offer and excited to, to chat about it. Can you just briefly give our uh, listeners a little background about yourself before we get into the questions? Sure. So I graduated from UW Oshkosh back in January of 1991 with a uh, marketing and economics uh, degree and uh, spent a brief time in the Twin Cities working for Tandy Corporation. They made those first computers oh, 100 years I re- ago. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. And I was selling their uh, some of their software, software, software packaging. And we got a call on Friday that said none of us needed to come into work on Monday. Mm. Uh, so I moved. While I was in the Twin Cities, a good friend of mine from the Kakana area, Paul Clister, 
who many of your listeners will certainly know of, very successful real estate mogul, honestly, in Northeast Wisconsin and throughout the Midwest. Paul and I met and we decided, Paul and I, when we were in the Twin Cities said, boy, look at that mini golf course there. I was over on 494 in Bloomington and we said, man, that thing is busy. And all they're doing is handing out a putter. <laughs> and 45 minutes later, they'd hand the putter back along, you know, they give them $5 to go play. So uh, Paul and I had reconvened back here in the Valley after he graduated from law school and talking about different business opportunities. And uh, I said, boy, I'd love to do a frozen ice cream drink. I had bartended at my mom and dad's restaurant out in Hollandtown forever. And we thought, oh man, if you had these these uh, ice cream drinks prepackaged, they'd be so much easier. But you'd always guess wrong on making pink squirrels and all these different ice cream drinks. And uh, well, long story short, Paul said, well, we should do that mini golf course idea. And I said, sold. <laughs> uh, so we jumped on board back in 1993. And I, it was only a few months later, we were open over on the east, east side of Appleton at uh, 441 and CE, which is now... Uh, ironically, in front of a festival foods. Yeah, We've now, next year, that'll be 30 years for us with the move from CE up to uh, the USA Youth Sports Complex where Badger Sports Park now is originally started out as Badger State Mini Golf. So we've been out, next year will be 30 years that we've been operating. What was a small mini golf course now is a 23,000 square foot family entertainment center. We do a thousand birthday parties a year. We have a team of about oh, 40 to 50, depending on the time of season. And uh, uh, like I'd mentioned, my nephew, Joe, and uh, partner, Tim Brooker, uh, run that operation for the last 15 years and have been just doing a great job uh, identifying and meeting needs. And uh, that, that's kind of the foundation of all of this. I was going to say, Ted and I remember when the <laughs> yeah. first mini golf course was over on, what did you say, off of college? Like South CE's Appleton. College CE, yeah. Yeah. We, we went there, we a, over there quite a, a handful of times. And then we live right over um, in the neck of the woods of Badger Sports Park. Place is always busy. We've had many birthday parties there when our kids were little. And we know a lot of high schoolers um, that work there. And we yeah. we hear a lot of good things about it. Yeah, it's a, a good business. Yeah, I, I just actually, uh, Meg and I are youngest daughter and her and I went and played some mini golf just probably a week ago already over there and, yep. and just had a good time over there chit-chatting because sometimes it's good to get away and just have that a one-on-one time so it was really cool yeah yeah I really have to pass along the kudos to my partners and 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 the team our leadership team there so many places like us that started five years ago 10 20 30 years ago are nothing but weeds growing through an old parking lot you know in that family entertainment business, it's not easy to, to have that longevity. No. And uh, right. we've been super blessed. And it's, it's people first. And that mentality has served us well for a long, long time. Great. Yeah. I mean, you obviously know what the importance of having leadership mm-hmm. um, to get that going and keep that going. So what exactly is a servant leadership? Can you kind of give us the definition that you have for servant leadership? You bet. Uh, so as I mentioned, it's really about identifying and meeting legitimate needs as a leader. And it's, it's, it's the, the, the piece about identifying is, it, is being very curious all the time. That's really the first step is say, what, what, am I, what does my team really need? Um, not what they want. Uh, that, that's a much different list. Yes. Uh, but that, that, that piece about being curious is trying to identify the needs of your team. And that changes daily. It has some certainly 
some some cores underneath of it that never change. But you know, if uh, if Susie or Billy comes into work, you know, and they seem off, our ability to identify with what's going on with them, both certainly professionally and personally, is equally important. And then meeting those legitimate needs is the humble part of this. Mm. Is where you're going to go serve what those needs are, even though that's not what you may want to do that day. But in that that people first servant leadership model, I firmly believe that it starts with identifying and meeting the needs of your team. And then though the team then can support all of the things, the the tasks, the the PL, you know, but if you focus on the tasks first or you are you imbalanced in that manner, I think you're going to see more red flags. And we'll never eliminate all the red flags. Life is wonderful that way, that it just continues <laughs> to pummel us with all these unforeseen things coming. So the challenges never end. And our teams are constantly hit with that, both personally and professionally, at work and at home. And they come in as this package deal. You know, people that think you can just compartmentalize it and leave it at the door, I think they end up seeing more red flags than when you're out there truly identifying and meeting those legitimate needs. I agree with you. I, I got a piece of advice once um, from actually owner of Blackhawk, uh, who was on our, our uh, podcast a while back. Mm. And he said, Ted, things never go as planned. <laughs> That's one thing I've learned as an owner. And, and as Barbara and I have grown into our business, it's so true. You can plan everything, right? Like you're talking about. But you may have that employer, somebody that comes in and is just not in that right frame of mind. And from the safety's perspective, that's really huge because we have to, we need to focus on that person because we have so much going on without around the world, life, uh, yeah. life, phones, social media, that our employees aren't always going to be engaged, right? And it's important for us to be able to catch that and really keep them safe uh, in that environment of that, doing that. Barbara, what were you going to say? I was just going to say, Pat, it's it's very nice and refreshing to hear you talk about that. And it just, it really gets down to just caring about people. And it seems very easy and we hope we all do it well. But when you're running a business and such, some people are so focused on what needs to get done. What product are we selling? Are we bringing enough in that sometimes the people get lost? And I think it sounds like you've made that a priority and it takes extra time and patience, but it sounds like for you, at least it's been productive and worth it. And it's kind of added to your success. Would you agree? I, I would. And, and on that safety piece, you know, one of the things that we talk about, we're trying to create leaders, you know, as leaders of a company, we're trying to, our first job as leaders is to create more leaders. Mm. Yes. And I if like we're going to do that, they're going to, we need to arm them with the skill set, and we can get into that later, but the skills of, of leadership, but their ability to go out and look around corners for problems and opportunities is an absolute must. And if we're talking safety, you know, their ability to look around corners for, for problems and opportunities to, you know, eliminate a threat or to identify a threat, it's just huge. And, and that's both, you know, psychological and physical safety, I think, go hand in hand. I agree with that. Exactly. Sure. I mean, the, 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 those together are, are, are crucial to keeping families together. And that's what Barb and I, and I know you are too, uh, Pat, are passionate about, right, is, is making sure that our families are, are, are together and then they're able to do those things and, and that. I was going to say that you don't always hear that, like the mental awareness of safety and such is important, and then obviously the physicality of it. But we also have a guest that's going to be on our podcast coming up in the next month or two, and she really focuses on that 
physical safety, but how that mental approach to just being safe or feeling safe in a workplace. And I think we look at the past couple of years and how that's affected people. So yeah, there's a lot, you know, an employee is more than an employee. They're a person, they're maybe a parent, a sibling, and looking at the whole person, it takes time and effort. But in the end, especially when you say you're trying to develop leaders, like that's a really cool thing to well, want to and, do that. And we all come with issues. Yeah, right? especially this guy. Yeah, I'm, I'm the leader in the issues. <laughs> You'll know by the what, end of the conversation. What, wouldn't you say, Pat, how, how do you identify some of the, you know, those kind of different situations, you know, in your work culture or as a leader? So that, that, like I said, that curious piece, you know, we can't walk around like we know everything. There's many days we'll scratch our head and think we know nothing. Uh, and <laughs> yes. I think that's that humble part of this uh, process. And it is a process. It, it's such a slow burn because you'll take a step forward one day and the next day you might take two or three back. But it's that perseverance that you, you know this is just about the courageous patience to, you know, you're going to live by your core values. And then, okay, you know that that's the framework of the lane, if you will, that this your organization is going to live within. For me, it's it's really about resilience and humor. And honestly, if, if, if our teams, I need to have, we need to have very resilient organizations that can handle all this stuff that life throws at us. And I, I one of the pieces that we use, my partner at, at Appleton Axe, one of the pieces that he really liked when we were talking about our leadership model was smile and move. And if, if we know if our teams are smiling and moving, they're in a pretty good spot. Now, they may be faking it at times, which we do ask. Yeah. Uh, because and sometimes we have to, right? People are coming in to have those birthday parties. Uh, and we're, we just, my daughter got a, tw- my son got a $2,400 bill for a 2004 car last week. Um, so life just doesn't stop coming at you, but you know, if you're living within a couple of core values, say, you know, I got to stay right of this one and left of that one. We know we're and our team knows what those core values are. We know we've got at least a foundation to add that resilience piece back and say, yeah, that was a really, we didn't see that coming. You know, we're, we're wobbling, but let's, you know, collectively as a group, that's why I said before, the first job a leader has got to do is create more leaders. So you're not trying to balance this whole thing right. by yourself. For sure. So, yeah. Talking about like your industry and the things that you've accomplished, you probably do deal with a lot of uh, younger employees. And we talked briefly before we both have um, sons that are that 1920 age. And I know um, just listening to you and saying like, sometimes we just tell them to fake it and put a smile on your your face. I mean, hopefully most of the time they're happy, but I know we've been in um, places with our kids. And some of the right. comments I always make is like, when you do get a job, it doesn't matter if you want to be there or not. You put a smile on your face and you serve yeah. that, you know, that customer. So I think you probably have a lot of opportunity with young people coming in, correct? To kind of teach them the way. Is, is there more of a a struggle with younger kids or... I think it's a real balance. A lot of us think that, you know, we, you know, our generation's got it right. You know, when we look <laughs> yeah, back. Whatever say, generation you're in, right? <laughs> yeah. My kids today, the kids today, they don't. Yeah. But, so one of the pieces in, in my leadership consulting that I'll talk about is you can hire a 20, 30, 40, 50, 60 year old person, you name it. They come in with all types of beliefs cooked into their, their mindset and their behaviors. And as we look at young people, 
Many of them come in with a fairly clean slate. Uh, they, they need a lot of work on skill development. They need to have an understanding of the hard knocks that life's going to give them. Yes. They may not even know that because they coasted through high school with really good parents that maybe oversheltered them, but <laughs> life's beginning. And, you know, I think the, the piece that they're, they're pretty raw yet they're, it can be coachable. And, 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 it, you know, when I graduated from Kokana high school back in 1986, my dad, which who ran Venables for 57 years, he said, I'll, he says, my suggestion is either go to school or get your butt down to the Tilmany mill in Kokana and uh, you can go work for 45 years and collect your pension. Well, thankfully, nothing against the Tilmany Mill, but I went into, you know, I went into education and, and I think it opened up a lot, a lot of opportunities, but a lot of the f- foundations of what we think of as 30, 40, 50, 60 year old people isn't true for those young people today. And, yes. you know, at, at Badger Sports Park, we have a go-kart track and they're 500 pound vehicles moving 22 miles an hour. And there's 12 of them on the track at any one time. So for us, safety is very, very important. We don't get to stay open if we're not safe. Right. Um, you know, in that in that entertainment space, we have, you know, we have uh, batting cages that are throwing 80 miles an hour. We have fleets of go karts going out there, and many of these many of these young adults that come to play with us, many of them are coming to get kicked off of our go karts. <laughs> yes. So they are not aligned with what we are thinking should happen on a go-kart track. So the safety piece, teaching it to a 16, 17, 18 year old, they're pretty raw, but um, there's pluses and minuses to that. It's kind of funny because we were at at, uh, your sports park. Um, My daughter and I were doing the go-karts back and forth and it was so bad. I just wanted to uh, hit her in the back because she kept on beating me uh, and do it, but I knew I couldn't do it because I'm supposed to be the safety leader. Right. And, uh, yeah. but she would look back at me and she goes, I, I remember I hit her once and she goes, dad, you can't do that. And I'm like, Oh God, <laughs> holding that against that. But that, that that's great. You know, to, to think about that. So you have um, your business servant cultures, correct? Yep. And can you tell us a little bit about, um, do you offer different workshops within that organization? Can you talk about that? Yeah, so we really have four different workshops and we have a couple of surveys that help organizations on feedback. Um, on the workshop piece at Badger Sports Park, well, you know, over the 29 plus years that we've been at Badger Sports Park, the first 16 or so, we really were culture by default guys. A lot of stuff was modeled by us, by, by our parents and and, and grandparents that we really liked, but we weren't all that intentional about how we behaved. As I said before, it's ironic that Festival Foods moved into our old spot because um, I had the opportunity in, a, in an executive group to sit down with the number three guy at uh, Festival Foods. His name is Steve Burkhart. He, he works locally here. And uh, I said, why do I go by Festival Foods? And there's 120 cars in the parking lot. And some of your very well-financed, very worthy competitors will sit there with a fraction of that. And I said, my wife will drive past some of those stores to go pay more for the peanut butter that you guys sell. They have the exact same peanut butter at some of your competitors. And I'm like, why is she doing that? (laughs) I didn't know. So he said, well. (laughs) And you wanted to know, right? (laughs) (laughs) Why are you going to pay more for peanut butter? I don't understand. Yeah. The same GIF that somebody else. Well, it's cleaner. It's nicer. He goes, well, I don't honestly know why I I go there. I just go there. So they're creating habits, right? 
But I asked, I then had the opportunity to spend quite a bit of time with Dave Scogan, who's the CEO and founder of Festival Foods. And I asked him that question. And he said, well, he said, it really starts with, we hire on character and we're really focused on the process, not necessarily the product. But he, he handed me a book called The Servant uh, by Jim Hunter. And uh, I read that and I got about halfway through that book. And I knew that every organization I was a part of, we were going to do our best to try to emulate some of those, those principles that we uncovered. Even though we knew them, it wasn't organized very well and we weren't very intentional about it, uh, nor did we reflect. So we offer these workshops that try to cover the fundamental needs of our teams. The first one is basically an intro to servant leadership. And I've given that workshop probably a hundred times over the past 10 years or so. And now we've developed new uh, leadership pieces that really zero in further on meeting and identifying needs. And one of our needs is connection. And that's really done through empathy and its partner vulnerability, where we're going to truly connect with the emotion that they're feeling, not necessarily the experience. Our egos want to get quick fixes and we want to move back to those tasks and the widgets of the day. What are we going to build? What are we? And the courageous patience part of this is trying to arm teams with the importance of having reasonable and regular conversations that circle around identifying meeting those needs. The biggest one that I feel is that that uh, the connection piece is the empathy, where people feel like I was heard because people want to be understood before they're going to understand. Yeah. Uh, so I think if you as an organization can invest, your teams, your leaders can invest a reasonable amount of time on a regular basis where we're connecting. Because I'll, I'll talk to all these leaders of business and they'll say, well, our number one asset is our team and our people. And I'll like, well, well, show me what are you doing regularly to connect? And a lot of them will lean on, well, we, we have a Christmas party and we go to happy hour once a year. And that's it. That's all they say. And, you know, and I know they're doing more than that. You know, as they go throughout the day, I'm sure they're being present. That's really leadership by default. The high performance organizations that are going to dive in are going to start to say, well, have we developed a foundation? You know, the core values, the mission, you know, intro to identifying and meeting needs. As we dig deeper, that's the connection piece where we talk about empathy, um, vulnerability. We'll talk about really all the, the sources of disconnection. Marcus Aurelius, the old famous author and poet and ex-emperor of Rome said, as much as I'd like to show you the way, it's, it's what gets in the way that becomes your way. So, so it's, 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 so all, it's, like all, it's all these things that it's all these things that our teams run into, the things that life keeps throwing at us. Mm. Oh, crap, I didn't see that coming. Oh, my. And, you know, interest rates have gone up and supply chain issues and a $2,400 car bill for a 19-year-old that is like, what? <laughs> um, you know, so it's, it's the stuff that keeps coming. So if we're intentional about regular and reasonable connection points, so these leadership workshops, you know, the, the, the connection piece that I talked about, empathy, and then we have a piece called authentic confidence that we just rolled out. Uh, and then we have a piece called accountable teams. But a lot of it starts with the feedback that we're willing to take as leaders. So we offer also offer two surveys that um, it's called, one is called gaps and gifts. And that is uh, where we as leaders say, okay, you know, if I'm talking about Ted, you know, Ted does not re react negatively when under pressure. And we're going to have a few people that are in your circles of influence fill that out on you. 
And there's 25 questions about your behaviors as it pertains to leadership. You fill it out on yourself. We have six or eight peers do it that work closely with you. And then we look for gaps and gifts. And the gaps and gifts survey is a really a powerful piece. And that's how we started at Badger after we read the book as a the servant. In the back of that book, there's a 25-question survey. Um, and we're like, wow, we really got feedback. Some of it was very uncomfortable and some of it was very rewarding that said, um, you know, people would say to me, Pat, we come into your office and you're staring at your phone and your eyes are darting around the room. I don't feel like you're hearing me and I don't feel like you're giving me the attention that I need. Great feedback. I'll remember that till the day I die that I need to be connected. So that phone is gone. It's upside down. It's off. And then the other piece that I got was too many ideas in your head. Last week's ideas need a chance, throwing too much stuff at the wall. Um, so that's the type of feedback that I got. So we offer four different workshops and we offer two different surveys and they can all work collectively together to help leaders get intentional and actionable. But the, the overarching thing is, are you doing stuff regularly? And is it a reasonable amount of time? Because we still have widgets to make. There's a p right. l there's yep. a banker, there. Uh, there's stockholders. So there's a. that's why I talk about the resilience balance piece and then the humor piece. And I, I want people to feel good, you know, that they're smiling at the end of the day. Right. Yeah. Those are the lanes we try to live. Right. And, and I think that's all important because, you know, you just look at it from the safety standpoint. Obviously, I, I keep on going back to the safety standpoint. But if, if, if you're leading these people, they're going to be more productive. They're going to be safer. Because they feel more comfortable, they feel valued, and I think yes. that's something that sometimes we forget as a society, as, as as a work. We all get busy, right? We get in our own lanes, as you will, and we just start focusing on that, and we kind of forget. Okay, well, Bobby's doing this. Uh, to make sure Bobby's got that, but you know what? Bobby's a person, and and, and so I think I think what you have to offer are, are so key for a lot of organizations, really, to look at the overall culture of, of a of a company, and and how they can really value their employees because really, hey, in today's society, it's hard to keep uh, employees, right? I mean, they're, they're, they're jumping ship as quick as possible. And, and now, very true. If, if you show that, what well, I think what you're talking about, Pat, they're going to want to stay. And I think that's just vitally important. Yeah, absolutely. The, it, if, you have, if you have people that feel safe, they feel protected. Well, I'll, I'll go back to Dave Skogan. He said, he said, you don't have to be the highest paying guy in town. He also said, but you better not be the lowest. Um, <laughs> but it's if you're trying to win this with your checkbook, and we're just going to pay those signing bonuses, and we're going to pay you $18 an hour. And last year, that same position was making 12. And you've got a whole fleet of people that are making 15 or 16. And for you to bring somebody in at $18 an hour, believe me, you're going to see some red flags. So if you're trying to win it with your checkbook, I think you're going to struggle. And it becomes very transactional. There's a lot of organizations that I can reference in Wisconsin, Northeast Wisconsin, where people say, I'm a lifer. They pay me fairly. And then I'm not going to leave for that extra dollar. You know, obviously, we've seen places where, you know, in my servant leadership introduction workshop, I'll say, well, who here has left for a dollar more per hour? You see some hands go up. And then I'll say, well, who here's left for a dollar or two less an hour? And you'll see hands go up. Yeah. Um, culture. Uh, you know, they're going to look at something where their needs were not being met. 
you know, it could be dignity. It could be um, feeling connected. Uh, it could be just physically, they don't feel safe in their building. Right. Um, so that, that just undermines, this, you know, Maslow's hierarchy. Number one is safety. Yes. Yep. So, yeah. And going back to your conversation about talking about some of the workshops you offer, a couple of the words that you said um, more than once that really hone in and I love is empathy. I just feel like you can't get enough of it. I think it's it's also hard for some people. I think a lot of people are caring. They care, but empathy is more putting yourself in someone's shoes and realizing what they go through day to day. And when you can make that kind of connection, you can just have a better relationship. And the other word that I love that you use was intentional. I feel like that comes up a lot when we talk business or personal stuff, mm-hmm. you know, just to be intentional. And I never really got that so much like a few years back because life's busy. You have kids, you're just running around. You think, well, I- I'm doing things like, of course it's intentional, but when it, when it's coming from that right place and you're actually putting the time in with meaning, it really resonates. And I think to run a great business, to run a safe business. Pe- people see that, right? They, they yeah. see what you put in and you, that's what you get out, right? And, and, and you get that culture like you're talking about and what, what you do with your coaching. Right. It's really a courageous patience piece that you as a leader are going to offer this. And, and there's 10% of the people want to see it fail. Uh, some number of like that. Yeah. You know, where they're, Very true. They, they really don't want it. There's an old, old uh, analogy that I use that people get done with some of our workshops and they're super excited. And they're like, hey, jump into my leadership boat your group of eight, 10 people, whatever you have uh, within your circle. And then, hey, we're going to start rolling. Obviously, we got to start rolling at the same time. And you get a couple people like, I get it. I mean, they get the leadership piece. They've been yearning for it. They love it. Five, six of those eight or 10 people are going to be like, yeah, tell me more. You know, they're going to need to be convinced because they are cynical. You know, they're that 20, 30, 40, 50-year-old that has seen broken management practices in the stories from people like, hey, watch your back. You know, the company, all they care about is money. So that mentality is cooked into people, right? Re- mm-hmm. Almost regardless of their age, maybe not the 17, 18 year olds, like maybe we hire at Badger, but as people get older, they, some of them become much more cynical. They're in the boat with you. Then the final person is in, or two are in the back of your boat drilling holes. <laughs> and, and like I'll that, say, yeah. I'll say in this, in our, in our workshop, I'll say, well, what do you guys do with them? You know, we get all kinds of things. People are like, well, throw their drill away. And then some people say, well, are there life jackets on the boat? And they'll say, um, well, why don't, why don't you throw them overboard? And this is, these are the types of answers. I'm like, well, hey, you got to make some tough decisions. Right. And then I had a 16-year-old girl once. I was giving a presentation at a school. I said, what would you guys do in your leadership boat? You're excited. Everybody's rowing at one time and there's people drilling holes in your boat or there's a person. And she said, well, why don't you ask them why they're drilling holes in your boat? And I thought, wow, I've been, doing this, <laughs> yeah. I've been doing this a long time and you're the first person to ever say, so that's the curious piece. Yeah. You know, that's somebody that the behaviors are driven by fears, feelings, and beliefs. Yep. Behaviors form your culture below that. But what's driving these behaviors? Fears, feelings, beliefs. If you want to get in touch with somebody's feelings, you got to go the route of empathy. And to do that, the leader's got to go first and build these small layers of trust. And that's really with the vulnerability where something hard happens and it continues to happen in our world that, well, I'm going to connect. So as a leader, we lead with vulnerability and say, I can, 
I really feel you. You're not alone, you know, with that $2,400 car bill. You know, um, there's stuff going on all the time and health and our, our uh, you know, life and death. I mean, there's just, it, life just doesn't stop. It doesn't. That's for sure. Uh, that's, that's very sure. Yeah. Well, thank you very much, uh, Patrick, for being on our show today. But uh, right now, is, uh, as you know, I'm the positive safety coach. And so we like to have a little fun with our guests at this point. Uh, they aren't necessarily always the best jokes, but we come up with some that, that uh, we feel will be okay. So the question so, yeah. is, are you ready? I'm ready. I, I don't know what I'm getting into here, but I'm ready. <laughs> a, Most of our guests never do. And if you listen to some of our past ones, you'll really be wondering. But. It's a, it's a couple right. dad jokes. Well, just remember you use the word humor a couple times. So yeah. <laughs> whether they're good or bad, hopefully it puts some kind of smile on your face. Sure. Okay. Why do golfers tell you to keep your head down during your swing? You know, so during swing lessons, I, I really screwed this question up, but do I'll redo it, it again. Okay, do I'll do it, it again. again. Okay. Why do golf pros <laughs> tell you to keep your head down? During lessons. Right. Oh, my gosh. I don't know, Ted. So you can't see them laughing at us. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, this one, we'll see. We'll see this one. I butchered that first one so bad. Oh, that's that, okay. Uh, that's okay. Um, <laughs> this other one I tried to bring a little bit of, you know, your background in. So why don't badgers like fast food? Why don't badgers like fast food? Oh, my gosh. I'm so bad at this stuff. I'm, we, I so are we, can't you tell? <laughs> Um, so badgers don't like fast food because it's too hard to catch because it's too hard to, to catch. catch fast food. Oh, I get you. <laughs> I missed that. Yeah. So I, did, I, I didn't get it. I didn't get it the first so time either. Okay. So right. the interview and chat was great. The jokes, jokes so we may good. have to look at a different time. Hey, thank you for being on the show. If somebody wants to get in touch with you, how would they do that? Uh, go to our website at servantcultures.com. We go into depth there on these workshops so they can get more information there about that. And the surveys, the uh, gaps and gifts uh, behavior survey, and then our authentic confidence uh, programming also. So they can get it there. Uh, my phone number is on the website and uh, servantcultures.com. I just have one quick question. Obviously, this would be for businesses, big or small. How about entrepreneurs or just single people starting out? Do you have programs that would be helpful for them? Absolutely. So the executive okay. coaching piece is, I haven't done a ton of it. I've, I've lived it for 30 years. But um, no, I, I absolutely would love to help people analyze that. Because if, if people say, what have you done over the past 30 years? you know, in the 10 or so businesses that we've built, and most of them are thriving today, you know, we, we saw opportunity, we evaluated it, and we acted. And then we were able to put stuff in, in place that was sustainable. Great. And I think that's what people want. Yes, I agree. Very, very good. Well, super. Well, thank you for your time today and uh, look forward to uh, working with you here in the future. All right. Thank you guys very much. Thanks All for right. your time. We'll see you. Bye, Pat. Thank you for listening to TED Speaks with Ted Carew, owner of Total Health and Safety Solutions, providing health and safety support to businesses by customizing a safety process to fit their needs, big or small. Please connect at ted.carew at healthandsafetynow.com 
or visit our website, healthandsafetynow.com to share your safety stories or find out more about how we can work together to ensure your people go home safely and turn an expense into a profit center. Follow us and leave a review on your favorite podcast app. Have a super safe week. 